0: Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 182 tonight. Uh, we're going to be reviewing Werner Herzog's new documentary, Fireball. Uh, Fireball is a documentary about meteorites, comets, asteroids, um, near-earth objects, that kind of a thing. Uh, but uh, before we get into that, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. For just two dollars a month, you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Um, we just actually uploaded a new um, fan chat on there too, so that was the first time we've uploaded uh, a fan or a chat with our fans and friends on page or uh, Discord, uh, where we put it up on uh, Patreon. So that was fun. That was a good conversation. Uh, a little bit of simulation theory, a little psychedelics, a little ancient civilizations. So. Shout out to Sandy, Sean, uh, Chip, and Cole. And shout out to Martin Ferretti, actually. He was the one that uh, told me to check this documentary out. So if you're watching, Martin, thanks. And, uh, oh, shout out to Zachariah, new Patreon member. And uh, shout out to uh, Ryan, new Patreon member. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, those
1: are always a good time, you know. It's good to meet some of the uh, the fans and just have a little uh, open-ended chit-chat.
0: Yeah, it was fun. It was funny. You know, there is an edited and unedited version. If you're, <laughs> if you're oh, a mind yeah. escapee, you're going to get the edited. If you're an escapee and part of the chat, you can listen to the uh, unedited. So, uh, And before we get started, also head on over to Indra's Web. Indra's Web is the... Social media platform we created to connect open minds. It is live go set up a profile uh, There's about a few hundred um, People you know on there now and uh, it's slowly growing but I like what I see in terms of posts and content and Ideas people are throwing around and stuff. So again, go check out Indra's org. So What's going on Maurice not much? How are you my man? I'm all right. There was a bunch of internet outages earlier today, so yeah, I'm glad we got this in. And uh, oh, tomorrow at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to be sitting down with Matt Roberts for part two of that interview. And then Friday at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to have PD Newman on discussing ancient and esoteric psychedelic use. So. Beautiful
1: triple threat this week.
0: Yeah. All right. So fireball.
1: Well, you gotta say the whole name, bro. Fireball visitors from darker worlds.
0: Yeah, that's a good title. I like it. It is. Uh, What did you think? I mean, because you're a videographer and professional photographer, what did you think of the overall, you know, construct, the way it was put together, all that? I
1: loved it, man. I love Werner or uh, Warner Herzog. Werner. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I watched, uh,
1: <laughs> what do they call The master class with him and he's talking about making documentaries and actually making, uh, feature films. Um, he just takes a very realistic approach to all the works that he's done.
0: Yeah. I think the only other thing I've seen of his is grizzly man. Maybe I'm trying to yeah. think, but yeah, I mean, that's probably what he's most famous for. I would assume uh-huh. or what most people know. Um, but yeah, I, I actually loved this documentary kind of, I already think about space and kind of like a spiritual nature, but this even more solidified it with the music. It was some sort of, uh, you know, an indigenous sounding music. I love that, uh, like a choir and everything. It, it was, uh, they did a great job, the overall cinematography and, uh the music and the way they incorporated it uh all the different like components and put it together i, I really liked it so
1: yeah i like that they included it had some uh spirituality but then they also had some scientific stuff i think that's uh it's kind of how our podcast is where we get into some of the esoteric themes but then we kind of are deeply rooted in the scientific world so it, it kind of fit
0: right up our alley Yeah, and I I believe this is only available on Apple TV, by the way, so, um, and we're about to go through kind of, not necessarily in order, but kind of in order, the way that it goes down, so if, even though it's a documentary, if you don't want to, you know, spoiler alert, maybe come back to this after you go watch it, but again, I think it's only available on Apple TV right now.
1: But actually, if you go on there, you can get a free trial, that's what I did, so you get a seven-day free trial. All right, that's
0: good to know. Yeah. Um and he made this movie with uh, Clive Oppenheimer from Cambridge uh University. Um so it's Clive is the one interviewing the people and uh kind of going around to the different places and Warner is behind the camera obviously, but he kind of steps in in a couple of different uh scenes as well. So uh it yeah. starts off though showing the Chilla Binsky, I believe is how you pronounce it, Siberia videos of Uh, This uh, meteorite that was just huge, it like flashed the whole sky in uh, Siberia and it it was caught on like a ton of people's dash cams actually, so like that's kind of how it starts is all these different angles of this meteorite that went through uh, Siberia and just lit up the sky.
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal, that's how you start a documentary with a nice bang. (laughs) Um,
0: And yeah, again, like the music and the intro stuff and the way they like cut into scenes, um, and then they go to uh, Mecca, Saudi Arabia, uh, and the Kaaba, which is that, uh, you know, the thing that everybody walks around, that there's a meteorite uh-huh. stuck in there. Um, uh, well, they, they're pretty sure it's a meteorite. No, you can't get in there, obviously. It's highly protected. But um, but yeah, so that's... Yeah, that's crazy. I never knew that. Did you? Yeah. I mean, we learned about it in, I want to say, middle school. I think I learned about that. Uh, but yeah, that's where, um, super religious site, obviously. Um, and it's interesting that that's at the center of it, you know, a meteorite. So, I mean, yeah. like, again, it goes back to this like spiritual thing, like something coming from a different place and, and landing here and us, you know, pondering the universe. It's, it, it's definitely kind of initiates you or, uh, kind of brings you into the thing if when you think about it like that.
1: Absolutely, no. I I knew about the place. I never knew that there was a, a
0: meteorite at the center of it. Yeah, or it's. I think it's in one of the corners. But yeah, it's it's encased in there. So, uh, and they had to use other footage because he said that they weren't allowed to film in there. From there, they go to. Well, okay, so they go to Wolf Creek, Australia, um, where, I mean, there's been like those like. Crappy horror movies that have been made, uh, about, yeah. but there's actually there's actually <laughs> I've a,
1: seen a couple of those bad boys.
0: Um, there's a huge, huge crater there. I think it was spotted in 1947 from the air. Mm-hmm. Um, they have found a couple pieces of iron asteroid. Um, uh, I think it's like a key, uh, kilometer across, so it's like the size of a, um, or like the the asteroid was a kilo. Across, It was like the size of like a battleship. Uh, and it was moving supposedly at 50 kilometers per second. So that's pretty fast. Yeah, I think it's incredible. Again, only a few fragments have been found. Here, let me pull this thing up. I think I might actually have a picture of this crater on here. Let's see.
1: I want to go to Australia real bad.
0: Um... Let's see, yeah, okay, so here we are. here's well, the wolf Creek crater um and it's it's pretty big um I mean, you can't really tell from that angle, I couldn't find an aerial view, but it's pretty large,
1: yeah, we gotta make sure that we're using copy not copyrighted yeah, images of here
0: uh and then from there they go to Beluna, which is an uh and they have these aboriginal artists um with uh yeah, I think it's, what's her name? Katie Darkey, I think was her name. And she is like one of the top artists there. Um, and she talks about like the rainbow serpent, which is huge in aboriginal mythology and uh, um, oral traditions. Uh, and the, the the rainbow serpent obviously refers to a comet what's or an asteroid. Or? No, no, no. Uh, asteroid or different serpent the, well no i wanted the, to ask you though Quetzalcoatl is should, a, fe- a feather plume serpent so
1: you don't think there's any kind of correlation with the with taking a psychedelic like that and seeing that thing and no i don't know i don't
0: i mean that's I don't, what i thought of when, i don't when think I was this has thinking. anything to do with that honestly um i mean it might i mean what, what, what connection would there be i guess would be
1: I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of archetype that's just always been implanted in our minds, and that maybe it stemmed from watching a comet.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that's probably the case, but I don't. Again, I don't know what that has to do with psychoactive compounds or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah. So and then here's a artist's rendering of. Of the rainbow serpent and you can find it on Aboriginal like rock art and like cave art and stuff um, Again, it's pretty prevalent. So and she talks about how there's you know, like the modern science explanation and then like um, Regular people and then this is like what the traditional explanation is is the rainbow uh-huh. serpent Okay Um But yeah, I really uh, thought that that was kind of an interesting part and I, I loved
1: all the artwork that was surrounding this.
0: And then I don't think, uh, let's see here, I don't think I have a picture, but and supposedly on November 30th, 1954, this woman named Ann Hodges in Alabama survived a meteorite impact. It uh, came through a roof. I think it hit a couple of things before it hit her, but it left like a massive, massive bruise. Yeah, on yeah. So I mean, that's. I don't. I wonder how many people have actually been hit by a meteorite. I don't know if that's—it's obviously super, super rare. That might be the only person that we in modern history, but yeah. But uh,
1: who knows? Because they burn up into such small specks that it could—it may have happened. No one even knew because it was such a small little pebble.
0: Yeah.
1: It kind of reminds. Did you have you ever seen that one Simpsons episode when they're all worried that the, the asteroid's going to hit the Earth and, and you know obliterate it, and then. It just burns all the way down into a little little rock, and it hits Bart, and he just picks it up.
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's funny, but yeah, I haven't seen that. I think
1: it was a Halloween episode.
0: Um, Let's see here. Oh, okay, so then after that, they go to... Uh, let's see here. This one's Ensesheim, uh in France, and this one supposedly was... November 7th uh 1492 um and supposedly it was a big fireball in the sky and some people saw it as like an omen I think that there's at the time that area was being um was being controlled by Austrian military and like the commander Maximilian like used it as an omen supposedly um, and this is a medieval like woodcut of it, as you can see there, the, just the, uh, the images. Um, but yeah, in this one, there is a museum that they have this, uh, meteorite at, or this piece of the meteorite at. Um, so it's, it's in that town. You can go check it out. But yeah, it's, uh, they said this was actually a really big event and kind of even overshadowed, um columbus not discovering america cause it yeah had already yeah been, well be careful there because it had already been discovered and people have yeah. been leaving there for a long time so
1: <laughs> exactly yeah you know it's 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 an interesting thing because if you saw something like that back in the, especially back in the day you would uh probably correlate it with some kind of change coming or that's what um, they did yeah absolutely but uh like the books uh a game of uh of ice and fire Um, obviously a lot of that stuff's based on, um, real events. And in the second book, actually there's a comet in the sky and it's interesting because all the different characters see it and they all have their different perception of what it means to them and their life. So like some are looking at it as a positive thing. Some are looking at it as a negative thing. It's
0: pretty cool though. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, people obviously interpret these things as different, um, omens or right hey you know i think this is gonna happen or i should do this or take this action or whatever that has been probably used for a lot of bloodshed as well i would imagine absolutely um so yeah there's that and then from there i think they go and talk to this guy what's his name jan larsen he's supposedly like one of the most famous jazz musicians in uh norway uh, yeah,
1: I didn't know where that was going when they pop up there, and he's sitting on the roof playing some
0: guitar. Yeah, he's playing some uh, some <laughs> Django Reinhardt. But yeah, um, uh... these, he looks for these things. They're called micrometeorites or it's like cosmic dust, uh, mm-hmm. and it's on the the roof of this like sports arena. It's like a, a soccer or football, if you're in Europe, yeah. uh, field. And uh, he uses these magnets in like a- on the top of this roof, and he like collects um, all these particles using these magnets, and then takes it to this other guy. Uh, I think is what's his name, Jan Keel. This dude supposedly had cancer like four times and like almost died twice, and he's still here inspecting these micro. Uh, meteorites but this they use like a 3,000 times zoom to see these particles and they look for like certain patterns and um, it was actually kind of interesting that there was that much of it supposedly I don't know if this is true but he said that every square meter or something like it's two dump trucks filled of cosmic dust or these tiny meteorites fall every day. So it's like every meter, you know, every square meter, there's some, so.
1: Well, that's kind of what I was talking about, where people could be getting hit with these things all over the place and they just wouldn't know because it's a tiny piece of dust.
0: Yeah. I mean, they are super tiny. So, I mean, who knows? I'm surprised. Um, I mean, some of those images that they pulled up in the documentary, too, they were, like, art, very artistic looking, too. They were very... you know i don't even know they looked interesting they you know well this... yeah
1: that's i i don't know if you're going to get into this later but those so they they look at them under the microscope and they would see the structures of them and then these old these old I, you might have to tell me who they were but uh the, these old uh i think they're from india or something but they are doing uh crazy art and they were the exact same structures. Yeah, we're going to the... get into that actually. Oh, okay, that's, okay. That's
0: like the next part of the, All right. and that's, you're conflating two completely different parts of the documentary <laughs> together. Um, okay. So yeah, so we'll move on. So that's a, that's a micrometeorite. Here's just a little diagram to show you a little bit about types of inter- interplanetary uh, dust particles. You have chondritic, uh, iron, sulfur, nickel, Um, and sulf, uh, you know, silicates. Um, The carbonaceous chondrites are the ones that they think could be the basis of, like, panspermia. Like, they actually contain um, organic compounds, as you can see there. So,
1: Yeah, and after watching this, that that whole theory of panspermia really does uh,
0: hold a lot of ground, don't you think? I mean, yeah, I think... uh, here's the thing is if it's prevalent it's even more important i think because then it's it's happening you know obviously all over the place that's probably is the case but if it's some fluke thing you know like we got some sort of we got hit with some meteor comet you know from some that was interplanetary i mean who knows where we could have came from a different uh different solar system or something possibly so
1: yeah yeah
0: I mean, you never know. I think that, you know, that's why, obviously, science um, has got to just keep collecting data on all this stuff. And we've got to keep collecting meteorites and meteors and, you know, cosmic dust and all this stuff. So we can kind of figure out more and more as we go along. Okay. So here's the thing you were talking about. So um, Paul Steinhardt from Princeton University um Came up with this idea of like quasi crystals, which would be like ah, non yes, yes. non symmetrical crystals, and they were thought to not exist. But I think Sir Roger Penrose discovered through mathematics that this was possible. Um, there's even a shrine in Iran that has this depicted on the outside of it as art. So it's like these ancient mathematicians or ancient artists obviously knew about this. So that's kind of, interesting. yeah, this is unbelievable. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, and then, so he was theorizing that this, you know, was possible or whatever. So he went on some expedition near the Bering Straits in Russia and they found physical evidence of these quasi crystals. So, um, I guess they collected a bunch of samples. I I mean, in the documentary, they're in like some sort of like tank, just like rolling over forests to get to this. Like, they're (laughs) in, I remember that. They're in like near the Bering Strait, so it's like not easy to get to. It's probably some of the most. Yeah, it's probably some of the most. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably some of the most remote areas. And that's apparently the best way to find this stuff, too. So we'll get, at the end, we'll talk about that, too. Um but yeah he so he did find up finding evidence of these quasi crystals so that's that's pretty big um and uh and then they go and they talk to this you know lady and Warner jokes about uh how we're all made of stardust or they're talking about we're made of stardust
1: sounded like you
0: um and yeah so and then they they, they get into the the meteorite stuff again, and uh like as we were talking about the the um carbonaceous chondrites you know um uh those are the the um meteors that that possibly they think could have brought life here at some point or at least brought the building blocks of life um some of uh, i think they say like percentages of the the um uh like three to 22 percent of its water um they're composed mainly of silicates, oxides, and sulfides with the minerals olivine and serpentine. Um let's see here.
1: They probably don't talk about it in the documentary because it's kind of lowbrow for that community, but what do you think these things are worth?
0: Oh, I Or are they just I, I've, I've seen just things. Where, no, I've seen things where they like in the desert, like they these people are like racing to get these things because they are worth like it's like the top for science it's like like a, like if you're studying these things you would probably you know shell out a, a pretty penny to to get it you know what i'm saying like right. people are like racing to get these things so I, I assume they actually probably um do take some some money you know if you but i mean there's different ways of finding them too as we saw in this documentary it's not just you know, I think the desert is is a place where they look too, because it's like at the end when they're in Antarctica, yeah. it's easy to find in these desolate places. So. Well, any rock there is an, is a meteorite, right? Pretty so, sweet. So, um, and then they go to where you were talking about. I think it's uh, Ramgar. I think is in. It's a crater in India, and uh, they. have... They, they built temples there. There's a temple dedicated to the god Shiva, which is the god of creation and destruction, which is kind of interesting because these um, meteorites could have possibly brought life and destroyed life at some point. So,
1: No, I, well, I was mainly talking about the Iran thing where they're doing the art that resembles oh, the, the quasi-crystals. This, yeah, the
0: quasi-crystals. But this is what I thought that was interesting that they built these temples in that crater in India.
1: Yeah, that's, that's amazing. But back on the, the quasi is like how did they know that obviously they didn't have telescopes? I mean, this is kind of, this kind of leads back to the same thing about some of these ancient drawings where it had depicts the whole solar system and all the planets are like in perfect. They're all, you know, around the earth perfectly. How did they know that stuff?
0: I mean, uh, you know, I would assume, I don't know. I mean like (laughs) math. Well, here's the thing. Mathematics, you can do a lot. You can do a lot with geometry and mathematics. I mean, you can, that's how they figured out pretty much everything in ancient Greece and even ancient Egypt. And, uh, you know, if you study the stars and you understand mathematics and stuff, you can figure stuff out. So, yeah, but they
1: even had like Pluto and stuff in there. So how, I mean, they obviously can't see that far and you can't see, there's only, you can only see like four or five planets. What are you talking about right now? With the naked eye. I'm talking about, they have full on, uh, like, you know, full on pictures of the earth and the whole solar system. Yeah, what what are you talking about right now? Who had this? Oh. What are you talking about? I mean these are old pictures. No, bro. you're making uh,
0: things up about people seeing Pluto before you know. They don't have, they, they don't have yeah. that. There's a Sumerian picture, but it's not like a confirmed thing. There's just stars around um on one of the tablets but yeah i know what you're talking about but it's not like a for sure thing it's just things that people say that they don't really look into
1: all right well i think it is the sumerian one
0: um but again i mean i'm not trying to to you know well that was the first thing that i'm just saying like
1: like uh, artwork where it's like how did they Know the the structure of the of the of the quasi crystals. Well, they didn't have anything looked at earlier. Deep.
0: What you were talking about, like the psychedelic stuff. You know, you look at some of these like mosques and this beautiful artwork. It looks like tryptamine palaces and DMT trips and stuff like that. They're beautiful. It's like it's like artwork in itself. You know, so if you had an experience, I would assume that maybe you could see that, or again through mathematics, some of these ancient people we don't know how good they were at math they could have figured it out if we can figure it out through math today I don't see why they couldn't have done it back then
1: that's a good point yeah I mean I'm right. just saying the I just Sumerian Sumerian what I'm thinking of
0: yeah and again I'm not saying that that's for sure not but there's it's not like a it's not like a known thing it's just something because it looks like those are all the planets how could they know but yeah I mean you know the, the ancient people did build observatories I'm sure they did have like you know, some sort of telescopes at some point. I mean, I don't know exactly, you know, you just probably th- think of more medieval times with that kind of stuff, but they probably had ways of figuring things out. Yeah. But again, math is, you know, a pretty good, a pretty good way to figure things out if you're stuck here. So, yeah, I mean, it's the only thing we can really rely on. Um. So, yeah, so there's your quasi crystals. And then they talk about um, the big one, which would be um, uh, Chicxulub. Is that how you pronounce it? Sounds um, good to me. The one that killed the dinosaurs 66 million years ago. Um, and there you can see the uh, Chicxulub crater there at the top left. And then you can kind of see the... So you could get all these cenotes or these sinkholes which were actually very, very important to uh, ancient civilizations in those areas like the Mayans and uh, I'm sure the Aztecs. Actually, I don't know if the Aztecs lived down there, but, um, yeah, let me pull up this here. After that impact, see all those little white dots there on the side of the outside of the crater? Those are all cenotes. Um so supposedly there's a lot of like uh magnetic um uh magnetic abnormalities obviously from this impact in that area so yeah but yeah i mean that's the big one i mean that's that's the one that wiped out tons and tons of probably almost everything i would you know I mean, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what lived after the dinosaurs got wiped out, but small little... Some
1: shrew type
0: thing. Yeah, shrew. I think that's the most base thing that we know that we came from is this, like, tree shrew. Sounds about right. Um, and then this is actually, I think it's that little white uh, dot there in the middle, but this is actually uh, an image of a mua. Which we talked about on our episode when we had Avi Loeb on. He wrote his whole book, Extraterrestrial, about uh his whole theory surrounding Oumuamua being some sort of extraterrestrial remnants or tech technology or something. So uh we uh threw that, you know, in there. So here's an image of that. And they go to that stars telescope in Hawaii, um, in the next part and they talk about like how they're looking for that supposedly that telescope or that observatory specifically is looking for near earth objects they are like on a watch, you know, to make sure, to prevent any sort of stuff. I think the one Mark, uh, the one guy's name was Mark Will or Willman. Uh, and there is some sort of, I think it's called, is it called the planetary defense coordination office or something like that, where it's like they're in charge of, uh, keeping an eye on the skies for us and making sure we're not close to some sort of in, imminent, uh, disaster or something
1: yeah and you were saying that amu amu is like the first piece of uh the first thing they spotted in space that came from another galaxy
0: yeah it's interstellar
1: so how does that but how do they know that because they can map out things and yeah the
0: the trajectory and like the movement like how they know the you know the orbit of different things i mean that's how they know the orbit of like asteroids and comets and all sorts of different things
1: yeah that's pretty sweet
0: Um, but yeah, there was a mua mua came down. It was like almost like some like huge elliptical orbit that came right through our space there. So, um,
1: hopefully next time we'll have some cameras up there and we can uh, snap a few pics.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's that easy, but I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get some sort of better imaging. Um, let's see here. Okay. So this is the. Tunguska, um, impact it was at 1908, I think, uh, in Siberia. Uh, so this is a big, this is a big one. This would mess stuff up. If it hit a big city, this would, this would destroy.
1: Yeah. Luckily it was in Siberia in 1908.
0: And interestingly enough, that's where that one guy went to find that quasi crystal too. Obviously that area is desolate. So there's probably a lot of, um, Undisturbed nature there, so it'd probably be a good place to find that kind of stuff.
1: I was surprised they actually had pictures from that blast, but it looked like quite the catastrophe,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, and then they go to uh, where was it? oh, they go to Antarctica, and um, there's uh, a korean team that is out there and they're looking for meteorites but it's since there's like nothing um out there obviously it's desolate like any rock they find on top of the ice or the snow is a meteorite which is crazy right. and i think that one guy that clive guys actually found like one of the larger ones that they had found in a while when they like spread out in that one scene yeah
1: it's quite emotional
0: yeah and yeah the one the one korean scientist this guy was very emotional very happy excited um again this is a spiritual topic treasure hunt you you know you think like rocks from outer space is like just some science dry thing it's not i think it's it is uh it's emotional it's spiritual i think Werner herzog did a great job of trying to capsulate that um
1: yeah, I remember being a kid and going to the planetarium and they had a piece of moon rock or something, some kind of rock from uh from space and I remember just holding it and feeling the energy again, It might have been all on my mind because I was a kid, but Right.
0: Oh, I forgot too. They did go. They went to uh meet with that one uh priest or whatever. His name's Brother Guy uh Consul uh, Magno, I think he's like Yeah, his name. yeah,
1: it was nice cuz he injected a little Uh, spirituality into the whole mix
0: um it says he that guy actually attended uh university detroit jesuit high school so that's kind of beautiful uh and he obtained his degree from mit and
1: he was uh, no he was no slouch he wasn't just some some servant
0: of the lord he was definitely had his credentials in the scientific world um and it says that uh In 1991, he entered the order and he was assigned as an astronomer to the Vatican Observatory where he also serves as a curator of the Vatican meteorite collection. So they did show that him going through or talking about like the the meteorite collection. And actually, I don't know where they were in the documentary, but they also went into some room where some guy was showing them all these different kinds of um, meteorites that were being collected and one of them had hit like a dog house or something. It had like paint paint and had like dog hair that was on the ground or said like missed the dog. Thank God.
1: Millimeter. He said,
0: yeah, but, uh, it still had like dog hair and like paint on it and stuff. So,
1: well, there's all kinds of theories that the Vatican knows all this. I mean, who knows what, if it's, if it's it's poop or not.
0: what would would they know regarding this? I mean, the the, asteroids, the comets come, you know? I'm not
1: going to get into it, but people go hardcore. They're like, they know about aliens, they know about all this stuff, and they will not.
0: Why why even?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, Look,
0: I'm not, not, uh, there is records, that's part of Immortality Key, Brian Morescu's book, he talks about going in there and finding physical evidence for, you know, um, ancient psychedelic use and, you know, and possibly even all the way up to early Christianity and maybe being a part of, you know, that aspect of it. So I, you know, and then there's in Diana Pasolka's book, American Cosmic, she goes there and finds all sorts of images that she shows somebody and they're like, yeah, those are UFOs. And she was in those archives. So yeah, I I, I'm not doubting that that's the case, but show me, the stuff, you know, like show me a picture, show me something, you know, I, what are we going to do with words that, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So,
1: well, again, people can talk all they want they can say they know, they know, but who knows if they know, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and then, and then the last scene, I think they go to Mer Island. I think it's off the coast of Australia. um, and, um, they filmed the, uh, native people performing their tribal meteor dance. Um, and,
1: uh, yeah, that scene got me real excited. That, that, that shot at, uh, at dusk, the sun's going down. It's perfectly pink in the sky. Yeah. That, that was, was some good filmmaking.
0: That island looked beautiful in the scenery. Absolutely. Of the um, but yeah, supposedly that, um, that same dance was performed in like 1898. Um, some, somebody from Cambridge was studying there and, uh, he possibly made one of the first anthropological films there. So, um, I don't know. I think that, uh, um, let's see here. Oh, and I think it's Oppenheimer has a quote. He said, the dance is beautiful. They have, uh, torches, they beat together, and they and the sparks fly off into the atmosphere. Supposedly, um, they they believe that those indigenous people believe that their souls are launched across the sky as fireballs when they die. So,
1: so when they smash the sticks, that's like kind of like, I, I was kind of lost at the end there. Like, what was that? What does that have to do with the meteorites? I
0: just said their their uh, mythology includes. They believe that when you die, their departing souls are launched okay, across Okay, I got the skies. that part.
1: So that's, all right, all right, yeah. And then, so, then when they beat the sticks, it's like little fireballs coming off of them.
0: Yeah. Uh, and actually, they they think they opened up the documentary with uh, a reenactment of some sort of Mayan fireball dance, too, where they're, like, you know, tossing this ball that's on fire around in traditional uh, attire the very beginning so yeah so yeah lots of great stuff I thought it was a good documentary I highly recommend it um, I like the way they encapsulated both science and spiritual nature of the topic Um I thought it was really well put together hopefully Werner Herzog does more of these types of documentaries too on these kinds of topics you know because I mean I
1: well, Grizzly Man is very intense.
0: Um, yeah, that's good. Again, yeah. I don't know even know what else he's made. I'd have to look into it. But um, Nasferato was that? Did he make that?
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah.
1: Or it might have been a remake of it, but is it I a documentary kind of... about it? No, though, no, or no, 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 no. It's oh, so actual... he made
0: a recreation of the original of that. I yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. No,
1: I love like he's. What, for his masterclass man he's he's amazing this guy he's a no he's a no
0: jokes dude um so i forgot i actually i was going to pull up some of your your pictures here
1: yeah you know the, it, it's interesting though because i was wondering uh i wonder how this guy picks topics for his
0: documentaries like probably just stuff what he's interested in at the time i would imagine yeah this uh this is one of Maurice's actually images here of comet Neowise from last summer. Yeah, it was a good time and I think uh, this is a time lapse one obviously you can see the streaking lights.
1: Oh, it was just a longer exposure. Okay. Cuz you got to do long exposures to capture the the stars. Um there's a formula for whatever focal length you're using. So the stars, because if you hold it too long, the stars will blur. So I think that was around uh, 15 seconds. And uh, I was planning, I was trying to, I was waiting for cars to come by to get that nice little streak. Obviously, yeah. I took a bunch, but I was waiting for a car to come by to get that little streak. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah.
1: The, uh, the relationship between human and uh, in outer, the outer world. This is
0: kind of a darker one, but I like it. I like how that tree's lit up a little bit on the left.
1: That first one's from Richmond, Michigan. The second one's uh from Lexington,
0: Michigan. Okay. And uh let's see this third one. I like this one. This one, it's like all the trees are dark, everything's dark except for the comet and the uh night sky. Yeah,
1: and there was there's a week between those shots and it was crazy.
0: Um so this How was much, taken a week after those other two shots. It might have
1: even have been, well, because remember, I went out trying to get it. Oh, yeah. I, like, I went to my buddy's house. I shot it. I wasn't even planning on shooting. I went to a birthday party, and I was like, dang. They're like, oh, there's the comment. And I had my camera gear. I was like, I'm going to try and just shoot this thing, because as a photographer, that was one rule I've always learned is always just get the shot if you have the chance, because you never know if you're going to get another opportunity so I did the shot, and then I came up with the idea. I want to go out and make a little video of me going to this dark park, which is made for astrophotography. So I went up to uh, Port Austin, Michigan. I drove. It was like two and a half hours. I get there, and uh, it was just cloudy the whole night, so I, I couldn't get any shots. And then a couple more days later, I went to Lexington, and thank, thank the Lord that it was clear. But, um.
0: Yeah, I like that picture. And yeah, actually if anybody's interested, we did it's under our uh playlist Maurice's Avengers uh his Neo Wise part 1 and Neo Wise part 2.
1: Yeah, I take you along with me. You can see kind of the uh trials and tribulations, but yeah, man, it was a good time and what Let's is it? The, we're one never gonna here. see this thing for another six thousand years or so. So I figured it was worth. I like the, that one. Uh,
0: I actually, I think I like that third one the best out of all the pictures with the dark trees.
1: Yeah, it was, it's definitely less, uh, less noisy, less, less busy, if you will. Um, when they, when they say taking photos, you always want to. You can never be too basic, really.
0: Yeah, I mean, you do good stuff. And if anybody's what's your Instagram if everybody anybody's interested.
1: At Maurice underscore Hogan.
0: Yeah, check out his uh his uh page. It's uh he's got a lot of arts you know, artistic landscape stuff from his um hiking and a lot of this night sky stuff, the Detroit uh, skyline, all that kind of stuff.
1: I would do more astro stuff, but again in Michigan when you shoot the sky, you shoot the sky. It's really about the foreground elements. You know, you always see these crazy shots of people out in Utah and some of those pictures we take
0: when we were on our camping trip. Though some of those come out really good. Of like, I like how the one year I was telling you what to do, I yeah, had no idea did, what's going on. It. But you you got some good stuff.
1: Yeah, I think we. Uh, well, that's another cool trick you can do when you're doing the long exposures. Is you can use your flashlight to paint. So we would point the point the camera up.
0: The one the picture looked like a, a Coleman camping, uh, <laughs> you know, ad picture or something like that. Like that one picture was really it was like a campground way in the background with like the full night sky and everything, a couple of planets out. That that was a great picture.
1: Yeah, it's cool, man. I I I, I really like the the uh, doing that kind of stuff. But where I live, right next to Detroit, it's almost impossible. I know you know that because because of the Chicago. You can't get you can't get anything cuz it's so bright. Even in that picture, I mean, I'm out in the middle of nowhere and you can see
0: Where's this one? Same thing, Port Austin.
1: The last two were from Lexington. Oh, Lexington. Yeah, but you can see it's still bright cuz Yeah. Um it's again, it's finding that happy medium, finding that the right shutter speed and uh so it's not too too dark, but cause you want to get some kind of foreground. If not, it's just all stars. And it's like, anybody can shoot that anywhere. You know, I, I try to incorporate a little bit of something in the front, but I actually like the, sh- the shot at the very end of, um, part two where it's just the galaxy and there's a bunch of shooting stars. It's not the, it's not Neo wise, but it's a bunch of shooting stars. And that's, uh, I just, I just love that thrill where you push the cut the shutter speed because you have to wait, right. it, you know, the camera opens up, sucks in all the light. And then you just wait and you're just praying that no one hits the – no one bumps the, the, the tripod or anything. And it's like a little surprise. It's right. kind of probably how those guys feel when they're – that would be a cool part of science to get into because you're going on treasure hunts essentially. And you could really see it with the, uh, the Korean guys at the end, man, when they find that big, that big rock. They're hugging it. They're like, all right. I, 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 it was hilarious too. The guy picks it up and he's like, all right, put it down now. You remember? <laughs> you can hear him. He's he's, he's such oh no, such that's such a joy. different
0: part. That's when the guy's walking through what I was talking about earlier with that dog meteorite when he's in the um. Oh, that might be at the end too. No, it is at the end. It the one part where the guy it. puts puts on like the gloves and he's in yeah. the lab and he, oh, he's yeah. holding that heavy ass and the guy just like throws it on the table and like like wow that guy was he was careful with the other one but he was not careful with that. Meteor. Yeah, he tells
1: him too. He goes, "Do not drop this. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even yeah. want to hold the thing." Yeah. I, what's the point? I'll look at it. I don't need to hold it. Right. Well. But yeah, man, a great documentary. I think you got it's got a ninety eight. Percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's definitely getting some good acclaim.
0: Yeah, definitely worth checking out. Again, it's only available on Apple TV, but you can get um, a uh, what did you say, like a seven-day trial or something free? Trial. Yeah, I
1: went on there and it was just you can get a free seven-day trial, and then again, it's not it's like five ninety-nine. It's a great, it's probably one of the cheapest streaming platforms. We're not sponsored by Apple, ladies and gentlemen. Huh. I'm just I just think it's a pretty good
0: deal. Yeah, I mean, there's good stuff on there. I just happened to use Apple TV already. That's why I had access to it, but, um... Oh, this guy
1: makes tons of movies.
0: Does he? Yeah,
1: I'm not even going to read all these off, but he's made a documentary in 2019, 2018, 2016, 2011, 2010. I mean, this guy is on... He's an animal.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if, uh definitely worth checking out for sure and um yeah that's pretty much it uh again thank you to our new patreon members or patrons i should yep. say yep. zachariah and ryan we appreciate you and we love you and uh, you can check us out at patreon at patreon.com slash mind podcast for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments um and then also i just uploaded our first fan chat uh we've done a few of them but we never recorded it but we just threw up a a new one that we actually recorded it was kind of a fun conversation so again shout out to sandy sean uh cole and chip and uh everybody else and uh we love everybody stay safe out there oh i forgot also again go check out indra's web.org. Um, and set up a profile, and uh, it's this is the social network we created to connect open minds. And uh, yeah, that's it. We will be live tomorrow again at uh 2 p.m. Eastern time with Matt Roberts discussing um UFOs and paranormal stuff, and uh, probably a little bit of Greek mythology uh, as well. Um, and then on Friday we have PD Newman on where we're going to discuss ancient and esoteric psychedelic use and his new book coming out. And uh, that's it. Beautiful. Everybody, stay safe out there. We love you, and uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. In Gales, peace. peace.